28 through 38. Isaiah 55 says this. For my thoughts, I'm sorry, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. I think if one of us were to come up with a story of a savior that would come into the world. I don't think this is the way we would write it. The way it's described in Luke chapter one. But I'm so thankful that the ways of God are higher than my ways. And that even though I wouldn't write it, when I look at it now, it makes perfect sense. Because it's undeniably God. Luke chapter one, verse 28. Sorry, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. and The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age and now is in the sixth month for her who has called who was called barren for with God, nothing will be impossible. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This morning, I want to talk to you about interrupted plans. Interrupted plans. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. You're so good. You are so good. You are so great. And we pray that over these next few moments, you would speak a word to us that is so clear and concise that it would leave us forever changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You know, one thing I've learned, I've been married this past November. It was 20 years we've been married, Monica and I. And uh, one of the things that I have learned um, through uh, not, not, not too quickly, took me a minute to gather this. But uh, one of the things I've learned is that you don't, you don't mess with a woman's plans. Like you do not mess with a woman's plans. Um, there, are, there are very few things that bring out Darth Vader in my wife. It's a good Star Wars weekend, so I just thought I'd throw out a Star Wars reference. There are very few things that bring out that side of her that, um, that just gets frustrated and, and, and wants things to, to, to adjust to her. She's the most selfless person I've ever met. But 
Monica is a very planned person. If you were to look at in our house, you would you would come in. One of the first things you would see in our kitchen is that there's a calendar on the wall and all of the stuff for the next few months is written out in the calendar. I even get alerts on my phone for stuff I'm supposed to be at. She sends me. And, and so there, there, there is a plan. And if the plan gets interrupted, then, then bad things happen and kids lose arms and things like that. It, it just, but no, she's not that mean, but the plans can get interrupted. Have you ever had a plan interrupted? Have you ever thought things were going to work out one way and they worked out completely different? Can I tell you that the way you think Christmas is going to work out this year, can I say to you that it's probably not going to happen that way? Can I, can I, can I tell you that? I, I know you love to watch Hallmark movies at this time of year. I know like Hallmark's ratings go up this time of year. And all of those movies are just, they're, they're false. They're not real. That's not how it works. It never works out that way. It, it's, it's never that pers- per- perfect. You know, Christmas is actually pretty messy. It's pretty, pretty ugly sometimes, and it's, it's pretty dirty. It, it can be one of those seasons and times of year where hope is so high, expectation is so high. And, and one of the things I found out about conflict is that conflict is is, the, is that space in the middle between reality and expectation. Conflict is right there somewhere. So we expect something to happen, but reality comes in, and when reality comes in and we don't get what we expect, there's the conflict. And so conflict happens around Christmas because the expectation is so high, the, 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 the hope is so high. And I can imagine Mary in this season of her life, her expectations are on 10, Right? She's getting ready to get married. She's getting ready to get married to a man who is of the house of David. Everything is getting set. Everything is working out the way it's supposed to work out. And then all of a sudden, God gets involved in her situation. I remember when Dan Leon preached here just a few months ago, and he was talking about his life before he met Jesus. He, he was saying that everything was fine until he met Jesus. Have you ever felt like that? Like, my life was actually on track. I was actually felt like I had things in under control and things were going the way I wanted them until Jesus came into my life and he literally messed everything up. But it's the best kind of mess up you could possibly imagine. We don't understand it at the beginning, but it's the best mess up we could ever imagine. She's getting married. Her plans are interrupted. And and I can I can almost hear the angel in heaven saying, saying, are you? Gabriel, when he's when he's given this uh, this <laughs> this message from God to go and deliver, I can almost hear him saying, are you are you sure um, you know, she's about to get married and, you know, God, you don't mess with a woman who's planning a wedding. That's like the worst possible messing with a woman's plans you could do is mess with her wedding plans. And you see, Gabriel shows up and he gives this awesome message and and. The, the amazing thing is, is, is that he comes with this great greeting of favor and blessing. And the Bible says she's troubled. She's troubled. And that word troubled is really interesting because it's a Greek word that means to agitate or disturb greatly. She was disturbed. Now, that's not the reaction I imagine 
when I think of the Lord delivering me this incredible message, I, I don't imagine, you know, if the Lord were to come to me today and deliver me some message, I, I don't know that I, that disturbed would be the appropriate word, but, but I, I don't know. It depends on the message. And I think she's in the same position because she's greatly agitated. She's greatly disturbed because she's wondering what kind of message can this be? I'm in the middle of getting married. What's he going to say to me? What's he going to, what's this message all about? Agitation is funny. Being troubled is funny. You know, there's an agitator in your washing machine. Well, maybe your, maybe your new fancy washing machine, you don't see it as clearly as you used to, but the, especially the old fashioned washing machine, the top load washing machine, where you drop the clothes down in that big thing in the middle with the paddles on it. That's called an agitator. And what that does is that it, it literally agitates the clothes. It, it, it disturbs the clothing. It, the, 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 uh, the agitator, it, it rotates to the left and to the right, and, and it agitates the clothes. And what it's doing is it's actually loosening up the clothing so that the detergent can get through and that whatever is on the clothing is loosened. But the thing about it and the reason that it changes direction so much is so that the clothing never gets too far away from the agitator. It gets just out there in the fringes to where it can't do what it needs to do. I think that's, that's a perfect descriptor of God's plan in our life is it's an agitator. <laughs> it, 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 it pushes us up. It pulls us down. <laughs> you see yourself. Have you, have you ever felt like in life you've been in a washing machine? Have you ever felt like life is like I've, I'm in a washing machine? It throws you up. It pulls you down. It's washing you. It's cleansing you. <laughs> And it never lets you get too far away from the agitator because if you get too far away from the agitator, it can't do in your life what it needs to do in your life. So he keeps you close. But sometimes you feel far away, but he pulls you back in. I don't know if you've ever felt like you're in a washing machine. I have when it comes to the plans of God and the purpose of God for my life. So favor and, and trouble, it seems, are interconnected. We see here that he comes and he says, hey, favored one. Hey, blessed one, and she's troubled. It seems that favor and trouble are connected. If you look through history, favor is one of those words we get to shouting about in church. But it's really a dangerous word. Favor, it's dangerous. I even, I even preached a sermon a few years ago, and I talked about dangerous prayers to pray. And one of the dangerous prayers I said we can pray is, Lord, use me. <laughs> Because that's exactly what he'll do. He'll use you. And it might not be in the way you thought it was going to be. But he will use you. And favor is one of those same words. It's when we ask, God, I want your favor. I want your blessing. It sounds great. And it sounds awesome. And we shout about it. The favor of God. Favor ain't fair. <laughs> no, it ain't, actually. It's, it's very unfair. Favor and trouble are connected. Abraham. If you look through scripture, highly favored, favored people are very troubled, disturbed people. Abraham was 75 years old when God made him a promise that he was going to make him a great nation. 15 years later, he's 90. And he still doesn't have a child and he's complaining and he's doubting and he's wavering in his 
faith. And he's saying, God, you made a promise, but I don't even have a son. How am I going to be a great nation? I don't even have one kid yet. 90 years old. You would think God would do it then. No, God doesn't do it. Then 10 more years, he's 100 years old before this promise comes to pass. How many of you would like to wait 75 years for God to make you a promise and then another 25 years for it to actually come to pass? How about Joseph? Oh, man, he's favored. Isn't favor awesome? (laughs) Joseph's dad even gives him a coat to signify, hey, you're my favorite. It's this coat. It's got all of these different colors on it. It makes him unique. It It sets him apart. Oh, I'd love to be set apart for God. I want to be favored by God. Do you? For Joseph, it meant betrayal by his brothers and those who were supposed to love him the most. Rejected him. Threw him in a pit. Sold him into slavery. Favor of God. I want it in my life. Joseph gets a job. He's finally making his way and then he loses his job. What do we do when favor won't let us get a job? And when we do get it, it won't let us keep it. Robbie, talk about Christmas presents and angels. But I have to I have to just warn you in this season where everybody is expecting perfection. I want to tell you something. It's not going to look like what you thought it was going to look like. And if you can just go ahead and, and, and make up in your mind that for everything to go well is an illusion. It's deception. It's not reality. And it's not even why we came to Jesus. For everything to go well. For, for favor and blessing. Because favor looks a lot like false accusation of rape. He's got a coat. It's his favor. He's got a dream. He's going to be great. What do you do when you've got God's favor and God's blessing, but you can't get a job? (laughs) What do you do when you've been in prison and you've got a record and you come out of prison and you're saved and the favor and blessing of God is on your life, but you go to get a job and they still see that felony on your record and won't hire you? Can we talk about real life or do we just want to talk about Christmas, Hallmark movie version? Or do we want to talk about this fake Christmas where we all go into debt and then we live for the first six months of the next year in depression because of all the crud we bought that we couldn't afford? Is this too crazy real for somebody this morning? Because I just wanted to tell you the favor and blessing of God is on you. Oh, man, favor and trouble, they're connected. God's favor doesn't mean you won't suffer. God's favor can actually feel like rejection. Who was more favored than Jesus? Still, he's on a cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've thought about this story all the time. Luke 2, when, when they go to register in Bethlehem, And Jesus is born and they go to that inn and there's no room in the inn. 
I'm thinking of all of the stuff you could have done, God. You could have at least made sure there was a hotel room. Of all of the stuff that you've asked me to carry and all of the things that you've put in and allowed into my life, you could have at least made it easier for me by giving me a bed to sleep in the night I'm getting ready to have your son. (laughs) But he doesn't. Because favor doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Wow. God's favor is just as much a no as it is a yes. God, you could have at least reserved a room. (laughs) Anytime God says no, can I say this to you? Anytime God says no, he's actually saying yes. Can I? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says this. All of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. So anytime God is saying no, he's actually saying yes to something better. So can I tell you this morning, if you are hearing a no from God, if you're trying to go in a direction and it looks like no from God, it's, it's no so that you can say yes to something better. Because all of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. This is the thing about God's favor, is God's favor refuses to allow you to settle for less than what you are called to. And if you have to walk through some suffering and you have to walk through some pain and you have to walk through some difficulty, God will allow it to get you to what is best for your life. Not just the thing that will get you by because Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life to the fullest. And sometimes you have to go through life to get to the fullest. So he will allow Suffering and pain and struggle. Not because it's a no to your destiny. It's a yes to something better. It was something better for Mary than a, just, a, just a marriage to Joseph. And if somebody in here thinks it's because she was a virgin that God picked her, no, in that day and time, there were lots of virgins. It ain't 2017. <laughs> This was a while back. Everybody was virgin in that culture, in the Jewish culture. There were lots of virgin teenage girls. So if you're thinking, oh, she was the purest of them all. No, she just had to be a virgin. Her virginity had nothing to do with her favor. Because this is the thing about favor. You can't earn it. That's why it's called a favor. You don't deserve it. She... She just got it. Do you know what favor means? Favor means pursued by grace. Today, the favor of God is on your life. It means you're pursued by the grace of God. That's an awesome truth. And then the angel says this. He says, don't be afraid. Because this is the thing about faith and fear. They're not opposed to one another. She had great faith. Matter of fact, we talked about this last week. Her, her faith was applauded by, her, by, by Elizabeth. So she had faith. She believed. But the angel said, don't be afraid. 
Because fear and faith are not opposed to one another. They can operate in the same space. You can do it and believe it while you're afraid. (laughs) All faith doesn't have to subside before you do it. You can go right into it. All fear doesn't have to subside before you do it. You can go right into it with a little bit of fear. Fear is actually not a bad thing. It's not a negative. And some people are like, no, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Absolutely, he didn't give us a spirit of fear. That means he didn't give us a spirit of fear. What that means, spirit, would mean control. He hasn't given us a fear that controls us. Fear is not a guide, it's a gauge. Fear actually causes me to make some smart decisions in my life. (laughs) I didn't jump off that thing that my friend jumped off back in high school and broke his leg because I was afraid. He was unafraid. He got a broke leg. I don't. Fear is not always, (laughs) it's not always a bad thing, but I should not allow it to control my life. Sometimes it keeps me from making stupid decisions. So the angel says, don't be afraid. But she's full of faith because fear and faith are not opposed. Fear and doubt or doubt and faith are opposed. But fear and faith are not opposed. Don't let it control you, the angel said. And then he said some amazing things to her about what Jesus would do and who Jesus is. I want to read that for you. Let's read that in verse Verse 35, we'll start there. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 32, go back a little bit. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Verse 31, if you go back just a little bit further, says this to her. And you, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. In other words, Mary, all of that he will be, you are carrying inside of you. This is the thing about what God is Doing in your life. The very thing that you're carrying. And and I've never carried a baby. So all I have is just what has happened to my wife four times. And how she walked through it. All I know is that carrying a baby is not easy. It's not easy. The first few weeks for her were full of just sickness. Constantly throwing up and just sick and heartburn. And then everything gets uncomfortable and nothing fits right anymore. And you start walking weird. And then the next thing you know, you're having a baby and that's not easy. Nothing about carrying a baby is easy. And this wouldn't be like like a different pregnancy. She was, this was a real human baby, fully God, fully man on the inside of her. She suffered with all of the same things. So this, this burden blessing, this weight that she's carrying, this gift of God, but this thing that's also causing morning sickness and sleepless nights and uncomfortable moments and awkwardness in front of people, this same thing, it's a burden, it's a blessing. And she's carrying it. This is the thing. You are carrying not only a burden, but you are carrying your deliverance. 
The thing that God puts on you is not just something that weighs you down and causes pain and trouble in your life. It is also the very thing that brings you into the place that God has for you. So you are carrying your deliverance. You thought your divorce was going to be the end of you. You know, no, you are carrying your deliverance. You thought, no, you, you thought that thing that happened in the past was going to be the burden that you carried and you just, it weighed you down for the rest of your life. No, no, no. When that thing comes to term, it's going to be the very thing that not only you carried as a burden, but it's your deliverance as well. You're going to carry your deliverance. This is the picture of our lives. We carry the thing that will deliver us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. So Jesus says this, he says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, all who have a burden. He says, I'll give you rest. And our ears perk up and we're like, yeah, I, I need some sleep. I need a nap. And then when we get to Jesus, he says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy. And my burden, it's light. When Jesus calls us to rest, he's called us to carry something. Some people thought they got to Jesus and they were like, oh, he, 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 he actually wants me to do something. I thought I was just going to get a nap. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. He actually said, come to me, I'll give you rest. Okay, I'm coming. Here, take my yoke. Take my burden. My yoke is easy and my burden is light because this is the thing about the yoke and the burden of God is the only thing that will truly give me rest is carrying what God wants me to carry. The things that keep me from resting are carrying the things that God didn't intend for me to carry. And so God said, if you're tired, and you've got a heavy burden on your life. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. The word yoke is the very thing that they would put over the neck of an ox to pull a cart. This is Jesus is saying, I, I, want, you to, I want you to pull something. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is, is light. In other words, what God is saying to you is you've been carrying stuff that you were never meant to carry. Come carry what I have for you to carry. And guess what? It'll give you rest. He doesn't say sleep. Because sometimes what God is asking you to carry will keep you up at night. Sometimes what God is asking you to carry will cause you to get up in the middle of the night and fall on your knees at prayer at three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes the thing that God is asking you to carry doesn't. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't, it doesn't seem great. It, it, it is still a yoke. It is still a burden, but you will have rest. The best way to get rest is to carry what God has called me to carry. A lot of us carry around a lot of weight, especially in this time of year. Carry around the weight of other people's expectations. Carry around the weight of, man, I need to provide a great Christmas for my kids. And I don't want them to be embarrassed and not have all of the stuff that everybody else gets. 
That's not a yoke you were intended to carry. Man, I want my my marriage to to be perfect like their marriage or to look like their marriage. And I, I want us to be like them. And that's not a yoke you were designed to carry. I want to make as much money as that person and, and live in that neighborhood and, and drive that car. That's not a yoke you were designed to carry. That yoke will keep you from sleeping. That yoke will keep you from resting. If you carry the yoke of God, you will find rest. The Bible tells us about money. It says the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. If you got money, but it's keeping you up at night, then God didn't give you that. If you got stuff, but it's keeping you up at night, God didn't give you that. Because when God gives you something, he doesn't add sorrow to it. When God gives you something, you can sleep at night. When God gives you something, you can lay your head on your pillow. And it might not be eight hours of sleep. It might just be three, but it's a restful sleep. It's a real sleep. It's a deep sleep. Are you listening to me? Because this is, this is, this is serious. There are a lot of things that are robbing us of rest. See, there are people in here, they get 10 hours of sleep a night, but they're not resting. And there are people in here, you get five, six hours a night, but you're truly resting because you're not carrying a weight that you were not intended to carry. I am not intended to carry the weight of people's expectation of me. And when I release myself from that and I take on the yoke and the bondage of God, then I can truly find rest. And then she says, How can this be? How can this be? The angel says this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Do you see in Luke 1 what I see? I see the activity of the Holy Spirit. I see the activity of the Holy Spirit because the Son is about to be born. This is what I've, I've discovered about the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that the Holy Spirit empowers whatever glorifies the Son. A lot of people are wondering, where's the power of the Holy Ghost? And God is saying, if you'll magnify my Son, you'll see the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the main job of the Holy Spirit to empower anything that glorifies the Son. Want to see a church full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Be a part of a church that magnifies the Son. You want to see your life full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Have a life that magnifies the Son. See, see, don't just come to church and lift up the name of Jesus. Magnify the sun in your daily life. Magnify the sun in in your walk with people around you. Magnify the sun in the mall. Magnify the sun when you're driving in your car. Magnify the sun when you're talking to your spouse. Do you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit take over your job, take over your relationships, take over your family, take over your church? Magnify the sun. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to empower whatever glorifies the sun. That's why we feel the presence of the Lord in this room. It's not because we have great musicians, although they're great. It's not because we have great leaders, although they are great. It's because we have a church that has chosen to magnify the sun. 
People ask, why is the presence of God there every Sunday? It's because we have decided to magnify the sun. We don't care about men. We don't care about their opinion. We don't care about what man has to offer. All we care about is lifting up the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And when we lift him high, the spirit will draw all men to him. Will you stand to your feet this morning? So I wonder if you could throw your hands up in the air and just begin to magnify Jesus. I don't know what what you need the power of the Holy Spirit for in your life. There are some things that just need the power of the Holy Spirit. They're not going to happen any other way. She said, how can this be? He said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. How can this be, God? How can you take me out of this situation? How can you change my life? How can you do something in what I'm going through? And God would say to you this morning, the Holy Spirit, he's going to come upon you and the power of the most high is going to overshadow you. Lift up the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus name, we are grateful this morning that you loved us so much that you sent your son. And we are careful this morning to magnify the son because God more than anything we need power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives there there are things that are happening in our world and in our life in our families in our marriages with our kids that we have no power over we have no power over it it it's out of our reach it's out of our depth it's beyond us it's It's not something that can be accomplished with the natural mind or the natural way of doing things. God, we need something supernatural to happen for us. Some of us need a healing in our body and it can't come naturally. And the doctors have done all they can and there's no other solution. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit. God, in our world today, it's it's beyond human repair. We're waiting for a human to get elected to fix everything and it's beyond human repair. How can it be fixed? How can our problems be solved? The Holy Spirit needs to come upon His church again. Needs to come upon His people again. It's the Holy Spirit. We're saying have your way. Like Mary said, we are your servant. Let it be to us according to your word. And we recognize that when we say yes to your favor, yes to your blessing, that can mean some things. That can mean suffering and that could mean rejection and that could, could mean some pain. But God, I'm sure Mary would have said and would say to us today that it was all worth it to bring Jesus into the world, to see people's lives changed. It was all worth it. And what is happening to you is not just for you. It's for somebody else. And because it's for somebody else, I challenge you. I exhort you this morning to stay faithful because it's all worth it. To stay committed because it's all worth it. If your life can impact one person in this world. Before you leave this world, it's all worth it. I'll take the pain, I'll take the suffering, I'll take the rejection to see somebody else go to heaven except just me.
Father, in Jesus' name, this has not been the easiest sermons to preach. This has been painful. But I believe that there is a great harvest. There is great fruit that will come in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.